Well, uh, I've got a message tonight um, that, you know, it can be kind of a tough one to bring up on Wednesdays. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I, I want to focus on something else because you're going to see something exciting here in this passage here in James that we've all heard. Uh, we, we all know this passage. We know these verses. Um, and I, I want to show a perspective. Tonight's all about perspective. You realize that sometimes uh, we fail at things just because we don't look at it right. Or we don't see it for what it really is. And so tonight I want to talk about passing the test. How many of you know that we can pass the test? Amen. Uh, we know that this life is full of tests and trials and temptations. We've heard these words. You've probably heard these words ever since you came to know the Lord. Because how many of you found out that after you became a Christian, things got maybe a little harder? Maybe it was a little easier running in the world, uh, you know, than you thought. And uh, now it seems like you got a bullseye on your back and things are happening. But look what James says here in chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1. Verse two, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, I want to stop right there because I want to uh, define some things. We've got to look at some stuff. Count it all joy when you fall into. How many you know sometimes the trials that we fall into or the trials that come in our life is because we fell into them? It wasn't because we did anything wrong. This is identifying you can live your life completely right. Be in the middle smack dab of God's will and trials are coming. (laughs) You can do everything. You know, Jesus had trials. Jesus had trials. Jesus had some persecution. Look at what he said in John chapter 15. I'm going to stop right there. We're going to go over to John chapter 15 because Jesus talked about these trials. This, This shouldn't be a surprise to us. And in John chapter 15 and Verse 18, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. <laughs> What's he saying? I'm already, I'm already there. Talk to me about your problems. We're going to have problems because I had problems. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. So that's why they, the, the, the devil wasn't messing with you before. You're on his turf. You're on his side. You were already living for him. There, there wasn't any opposition there. You weren't rubbing up against anything except the fact that you knew there was more. Everybody in the world knows there's more and they're going and looking for more. That's why they run to alcohol. That's why they run from one wife to the other. That's why they're running after money and careers and, 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 and looking and for the nicest house and the biggest cars and the fastest boats. They're, they're going there because they're looking for the more that's in the kingdom. But the life that they're living doesn't necessarily bring a whole lot of opposition. But if you are of the world, then the world loves its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Verse 20, remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. So he's identifying that, look, this whole trials thing, been there, done that. Jesus has the T-shirt, okay? He's got it. He's been through the trials. Even Jesus, who we know never sinned, never messed up, still had to endure trials. John chapter 16, verse 
33, you may have heard this one before. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. (laughs) I love that's the following statement after peace. Hey, look, I've been talking to you because I want you to have peace about this. You will have tribulation. Whoa, where's that peace stuff? But be of good what? Cheer. That sounds like joy. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus, in essence, isn't even giving you an option. If you're going to live for me, you're going to go through trials. And it almost seems like the more that you're doing right, the greater the trials are. But the trials is where we've had the wrong perspective. I believe that many Christians are struggling in trials and maybe not overcoming like they'd like to be and want to be and and maybe not getting the direct results. And I don't believe it's because the trial is too great. I believe it's because we're looking at it improperly. I think it's a perspective issue. And that's kind of what James is pointing out here, that first of all, you have to understand this book is written to believers. In James chapter 1, before he gets into count it all joy, he says, I'm writing to all the 12 tribes that are scattered abroad. He's writing to believers. He's writing to the Christians that have already accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And so he's identifying that when you fall into these trials, to count it all joy. Joy is the perspective. Joy is not an emotional response. Joy is a spiritual position. Okay, we're not talking about emotions. Oh, I just feel so joyful. Now, notice that joy has nothing to do with your feelings. He doesn't say, count it all joy when you come out of trials. He says, count it all joy when you fall into them. Joy is not directly related to your external situation. To the outward thing that's going on. To your circumstance and the thing that you're dealing with. That has nothing to do with joy. Count it all joy when things start getting better for you. No, count it all joy when everything's falling apart on the outside. You spiritually remain in a solidified position. So we're not trying to get our emotions in check here. We're not talking about that. You may have been trying to feel joyful. But you've got to be joyful even before you feel it, is what he's identifying. So joy is simply taking on God's perspective of the trial. In essence, you could put it this way. Joy is looking at the trial the way God looks at the trial. So tonight, I want to show you how God looks at trials. I want to show you how God looks at trials, because I believe if we could have God's perspective of the trial that we're going through, whether it be a financial thing, whether it be a a sickness thing, whether it be a relationship thing, whether it be a marital thing, whether it be, uh, you know, issues with your kids, whatever trial, there's no cookie cutter, you know, put it in a box. Trials could be anything for believers. James was one of the three closest disciples to Jesus. Peter, James, and John. Even out of the twelve, these three were closer than anybody. And so what Jesus said to his disciples, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. What was the trial they were dealing with? They were dealing with literal opposition in the world based upon what they were preaching. 
and based upon what they were doing. I mean, your trial might be great, and I'm not trying to degrade or downplay the trial that you're currently in, but they were actually after their lives. Every day they were wondering, am I going to live tomorrow? Or is someone going to arrest me and take my head off or put me in hot oil or crucify me or whatever? That was the literal trial that they were in. And by the time James is writing this book, the church is under heavy persecution. And so he's writing to them to get them to stay steadfast in the faith, to remain in the faith. You'll find that many times in a lot of the books that were written towards the end, that there's a lot of encouragement from the writers to stay the course. Don't come off. It's easy to live for God when everything is going right. It gets more difficult when everything around you is pushing you and squeezing you to do something different. And so he's writing this, count it all Joy, he's saying, look, I understand there's trials because becoming a Christian doesn't excuse you from the trial. Becoming a Christian changes how you go through the trial. <laughs> it changes your position in the middle of the trial. And so we've got a lot of discouraged Christians. That he's writing to. I'm living for God. I accepted Jesus. Where is this kingdom that you keep talking about? When is Jesus returning? You know, they've been talking about Jesus returning since the day he went into heaven. And they're still talking about it today. When is this happening? Because we think that's our victory. But Jesus never said anything about victory comes when I come back through the clouds. He said, I have overcome the world while he was still in the planet the first time. If he overcame the world then, he's still overcoming the world today, and he's overcoming the world in your future. He's victorious. And so we have to change our position in how we're going through the trial, through the storm, through the persecution, through the tribulation. And that's what he's trying to get us to identify. Uh, Go to... James 1, verse 2. Let's just start back there and go on through. There's some things we need to see. My brethren, see brethren, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So joy is the position, the spiritual position or the perspective of God, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. We immediately get to the purpose of trials. See, if we don't know why we're going through the trial, then we won't get the result that the trial is supposed to bring. Trials are supposed to bring results in your life. Tests are supposed to bring results in your life. A test proves something. If you take a test in school, or if you take a driving test or if a pilot takes a uh, test to, you know, he's learning how to fly and he has to test, what does the test do? It proves that you know what you have, what is necessary to do the act. Can I send you 
to the next grade? Can I give you a driver's license? Can I give you a pilot's license? You have to be tested. Everybody that wants to do something has to prove that they can do it. And so this life, this kingdom life that we're living, requires us to do something. And God wants to know, can you do it? Now, this is a life of faith that we're living. The kingdom life is lived by faith, period. You cannot live this life without faith. What's faith? Believing in what you cannot see. That's faith. If you can see it, it's not faith. God has always moved and always has been and always will be moved by faith. That's why he said, let there be light. He didn't wait for light to show up and say, oh, let there be light. No, he had to speak, let there be light before the light showed up. So right in the first verse of the Bible, we see that God is already operating by faith. God always operates in what you can't see. And so tests and trials help us live the life that God has called us to live. There's a purpose. He says here that the testing of your faith. See, you are never being tested. (laughs) I know you feel like you are being tested, but you are not being tested. You're not being tested right now in that financial situation. You're not being tested right now with that sickness that the doctor said uh, there's nothing they can do about. You're not being tested right now with that relationship that just seems like it's falling apart and there's nothing. You're not being tested. Your faith is. Trials and tests come to prove your faith. Do you have the faith? To do what I've called you to do. And you know what? A lot of times you'll get tested in an area where God has called you to have a dynamic influence. People, uh, I have heard so many testimonies about businessmen. Because there are businessmen, there are men and women that God has given the ability to handle and operate finances. For the kingdom of God. And you know where they have their greatest struggle and greatest test? Is in the financial area. Why? Because that is what God has called them to have the greatest area of influence in their life. And so now the test comes. And we'll see this later on. Down in verse 10, verse uh, 13, James tells us, you can't say that God's tempting you. Let me go ahead and clarify this. God doesn't bring the test. God allows the test. Look, if he answers all the questions for you, then where is it proven that you were able to get out of it, able to get through it? So God will allow a test, but he only allows the test because he knows that you have everything you need to overcome. You have all the resources to come out victorious every single time. God doesn't, tests don't come to cause you to fail. Tests come to prove that you can overcome and operate by faith. The testing of your faith 
produces patience. Patience, once again, is a position. Now, patience is not passively waiting and sitting by. Well, I'll just wait and see what happens. That's not what this patience is. Because there's people that can wait. And you can wait impatiently. (laughs) Yeah, we've all done it. We've waited impatiently. We've waited because there's no other option. I've got to just, I don't know how much longer they're going to take. I don't know how much longer I can take this. But I'm, I'm, I'm waiting, God. I'm waiting. That's not patience. But this also isn't patience. God, it's in your hands, so I just sit, I'm just sitting waiting, waiting for you to do something. Patience is not passive. Patience is persevering. Patience is active. Active how? You stand and you remain in the position until you get the desired result. See, sometimes we take our hands off, you know, Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> and he's looking at you in the passenger seat and saying, no, you take the wheel. I'll tell you where to go, but you driving this thing. Keep your hands on the wheel. What are you doing? And we derail our dreams because Jesus, you take the wheel. No, he's put you in the driver's seat. <laughs> put the gas on the pedal, let's go, let's drive on. And he's going to tell, all right, take, you know, go here. All right, now I'm going to have you go over here. All right, now stay right here. Don't do anything. And he will speak to you and he will guide you because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's your lead. He's your guide. He's your director. He's your helper. See, if, you know, if I ask Caleb, hey, Caleb, come, come help me. Come help me. Get this podium off of here. And this podium is a good weight. It's probably close to 200 pounds, I would imagine. Maybe more than that. I don't know. This thing is heavy. <laughs> now, I could, I could call Caleb and say, Caleb, come help me move this. And then I go over here and sit down. <laughs> now, that's not helping That's abandoning. And see, many of us say, Jesus, help me. All right, you got this. I'll be right over here. Let me know when it's all good. We we there yet? Okay, I'm just waiting. No, we've abandoned the very thing, but he is our helper. That means he's coming alongside you. So there's still some action here. So patience isn't sitting back and waiting and, all right, God. No, it's actively pursuing and persevering and enduring the test. I'm standing. I'm remaining. The very thing that got me in this thing is the thing that's going to get me out of this thing. I am going through this trial. So the test is not given to cause us to fail. It's given to us to cause us to overcome. Tests prove our faith. Faith uh, faith is tested so that it can develop. See, you see, here's the perspective. 
We always thought that tests and trials were hindering us. But here's where joy comes in. When you count it all joy, you learn that the test and trial is actually moving you closer to your answer. Tests come to help you grow and develop your faith. You may not know this about muscles, but the way that muscles are developed is by tearing them apart. When you're in the gym, your muscles are getting shredded, torn apart, and then they grow back stronger. It's a part of development. The pressure and the testing and the trying is actually tearing your muscle apart, but yet what is happening is when it comes back, when it grows back, it grows back even stronger. More is added to it. It's amazing how our bodies operate that way. I broke my finger several years ago, and today this finger is, the bone is stronger than it was before it got broken. Because the way the body works is it adds more calcium to it and it strengthens it. It comes back and and helps it and keeps it from that happening again. Even though it went through a test, it came back stronger. This is how we're to operate during these tests and during these trials. And see, we've been fighting the test and the trial. When the test and the trial is... Count it all joy. Why? Because great, you've just given me another opportunity to prove that I have the faith in your word and the faith in you and the confidence and the assurance that you're going to see me through this once again. That's the test and that's the trial. So joy changes the expect the the uh, the perspective. Trials are a means of spiritual growth and development. Trials are a means of spiritual growth and development. And we don't rejoice in the trial itself. I'm not rejoicing because I don't have any money in the bank. I'm not rejoicing because you're calling me to do something that right now looks way too big for me. I'm rejoicing. I don't rejoice in the trial itself. I rejoice in the end result. I'm rejoicing because I'm going to come through this thing stronger than when I went through because you're going to show yourself faithful. And then when the next trial comes, I'm going to be able to look back on your faithfulness and say he did it there. So he's going to do it here. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into trials. Now, patience. Look at verse four. Let's talk about this patience, because this is the position now. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That word perfect doesn't mean that you're going to be perfectly in a, in a sinfulness, you know, in a not sinning state. Perfect meaning mature. That word perfect is translated mature. Patience brings maturity. See, the way you go through the trial 
also determines how you come out on the other end. And when we're patient, when we operate out of patience, this kind of patience, not impatience, but patience, not just passively sitting by and waiting for God to do anything, but when we actively involved in persevering and enduring through this thing and remaining steadfast, we now have a position that when we come through it, we'll come through with maturity. We'll have something added to us. Perfect and complete wholeness, fullness, lacking nothing. See, when we're going through the trial, we feel like we lack everything. But when we come out, then we realize I had every resource I needed the entire time. I lack nothing. See, God wants us to be whole. God wants us to be complete. God wants us to be full. Not empty. Not incomplete. And so now I'm putting on God's perspective. God, how do you look at this trial? Because I want to see the trial the way you see the trial. If it's something that I've done that I need to correct in my life, then I'll bring it. Then I'll change it. But if it's something that I have fallen into, I had nothing to do with it. It's just opposition is coming because I'm living for you. Then allow it to strengthen my faith. My faith develop my faith. Allow me to grow. Allow me to change. Allow me to become matured and perfected so I can come out complete and lacking nothing on the other end. Skip on down to verse 12. James chapter 1. Skip on down to verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Endures means you come out on the other end. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved. Why? Because the test proves that you have something. The test proves. When you pass the test, how many of you rejoice when you pass a test? Yeah. I remember rejoicing when I passed the test in high school. Whether it was a 70, which was a number grade a letter grade above failing, or whether it was a hundred with bonus points. If I passed the test, I was rejoicing. And you have those perfectionists. Oh, 99, what would I get wrong? Where, where is it? Now, I remember doing that a couple times when I knew I had studied. I knew that I had put my, I had made the right investment. See, you can rejoice based upon the level of investment that you put in. Sometimes I only invested enough to just barely get by. So when I barely got by, woo, I got it. Man, I made it 70 right here. But then there was those times that I stayed up all night, looked over every answer, and I got one wrong. Where is it? Show it to me. Now, you, you worded it different. That's a trick question. hated that. Just give me the review just like it's going to be on the test. Give me general specifics. Doesn't help me. You tricked me. Got me. Missed one. But see, now I can rejoice based upon what I put in. 
See, when I didn't put, put in enough investment, I couldn't come back and rejoice or be upset about something. I knew, hey, that's as much as I invested into it. So I put $50 in, so I can't expect 100 coming back. See, what you're putting into this trial will determine what you can get back out of it. And quit going to God and wondering why you didn't pass and why you failed here and why you failed there when you didn't invest where he told you to invest. Now, I told you to get in my word and study this thing out, and you did it. I told you to get in the word and, and learn how to handle finances and learn how to handle this. And so don't, don't be concerned. With, you didn't get all the desired results that you wanted. It's based upon your level of investment. In the trial, there's an investment that's taking place. What are you putting into it? Because what you put in determines what you can take back out. And so, blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James focuses, throughout this entire passage, focuses on the response to the trial and the outcome. To put it this way, he focuses on the response and the result. How do you respond to the trial and what's the final result of the trial? Never once in this entire passage does he ever bring up the devil. Never once does he say, now there's a big bad devil and he's out there to get you and he's going to bring trials and you, you just got to you just got to endure. You just got to fight through. But he hates you and he doesn't want anything. He doesn't want you in the kingdom and he doesn't want you advancing the kingdom of God. And so he's always trying to. He never once brings up the devil. Because the source isn't as important as the trial itself. In fact, in not bringing up the devil, he's showing you how downplayed the enemy really is. Yet, what do we do? Man, the devil's been kicking my brains out, man. He's really beating up on me. He just won't get off my back. He won't let me go. He's attacking me left and right, and I'm just pushing, and I'm rebuking him. And all that James says is, look, if you look at the trial the way God looks at the trial, and expect the result that God expects from the trial, You'll overcome every time. And the devil has nothing to do with it. The devil can't stop you from enduring temptation. The devil couldn't stop Jesus, and he can't stop you. The devil couldn't stop James, and he can't stop you. We're the only ones that keep ourselves from coming through a, a trial. We're the only ones that keep ourselves from enduring in the middle of a trial and getting the desired result. It's us. It's the response and the result. That's all he focuses on. Never talks about the enemy. Never talks about the devil. Never talks about spiritual wickedness in high places. I mean, Paul talked about it. But when he's talking about trials, he just says, count it all joy. Because when you go through a trial, it's going to test your faith. And the testing of your faith will produce patience. And let, have, let patience have its perfect work. So then that way you can be perfect. And you can be mature. And you can be complete and whole. Lacking nothing. That's all he, he tells you how to go through the trial. Not where the trial came from. That's what we do. All right, where's the devil trying to tie me now? Where, where's this coming from? Who, who's trying to stop me? 
We always try to go to the source of the thing. And he's just saying, look at trials differently. If you'll change your perspective, if you look at trials and tribulation and the tests that come in your life, if you'll look at them the way God sees them, then you'll be excited about the trial. Not that trials keep showing up in your life, but you'll be excited about another chance to come out on the other side and prove God's faithfulness once again. I know people that have come through trials, uh, and I know people that have failed in the midst of trials. Because that's me. I've failed in some trials, and I've come through other trials. And I can tell you this, it's much better when you come through the trial. (laughs) It's much better when you come out on the other side. And it took work. It took endurance. It took perseverance. There wasn't any passiveness about it. There wasn't any wallowing in my, in my problem and complaining. It was just persevering to the end, enduring. Because the one that endures the trial, when he's approved, will receive the crown of life from the Lord. You know, God is waiting to reward you for coming through that trial. He's waiting. He can't wait. He's not allowed to test. All right, let's see if this one's going to knock, knock him down. See if he's going to make it through this. No, he knows you've got everything to come through this. You've got everything to be victorious, to overcome, to come out on top of this thing. And now he's up there cheering you on. Hebrews chapter uh, 12, I believe it is, says that he's in the grandstands. He's watching you and he's cheering you on saying, you can do this. You've got this. Walk the life of faith. Operate in faith. Allow that test to develop and strengthen your faith. And you know why he wants your faith strengthened and developed? Because there's another trial that's even stronger than the one you're going through right now. See, you might be trying to believe God for $1,000, but God's trying to get you to a position to believe him for $100,000. And you might be believing God today for $100,000, and you can get excited about that because that means someday, somewhere, God's going to expect you to believe him for a million dollars. The greater the trial, that means that these things only get bigger because that's as much more capacity but you're going to have a hard time believing God for $100,000 when you haven't believed him for $100. Have you ever sat by and said, God, if I don't get $100, I'm going to fail. Somebody, somewhere, somehow, you're going to show up. You're going to show me your faithfulness. Yeah. Now, I was listening to uh, pastor speak one time, you know, because we're at this pastor's leadership conference type thing. And uh, he pastors a very large church, 15,000 plus people, multiple services, acreage, large building, the whole, you know, mega church bit. And he's looking at all of us and, you know, most of us in the room probably didn't pastor churches larger, probably larger than a thousand people. Eighty percent of churches in the United States of America have less than 200 people. I can't remember the stat off the top of my head. There's over 6,500 churches in the United States. And I want to say it was 
I can't remember. It was less than 500 of them are over 1,000 people. I mean, that's an amazing. You know, we see them on TV and we think there's more of them than we than really there are. But this is what's going on all across America. And so he's speaking to us and he says this, he says, I have the same problems you have. Now, all of us, all of us small pastors are thinking, if I had your resources, if I had your sound system, if I had your building, if I had your stage, if I had your youth group, if I had your children's department, if I had your volunteers, if I had your parking lot workers, if I had your ushers, if I had your sound team, if I had your worship band, if I had that guitar player or that girl that can sing like that, if I had that drummer, if I had uh, the anchors that you had, if I had the finances that you have, if I had the connections, we're all thinking, if I had, and he's saying, I've got the same problems you have. He says, I have the same problems you have. I just have more zeros behind it. See, you got to fire two people because you can't pay them anymore. I got to fire 20. You got to pay a $200 electric bill. I've got to believe God for a $200,000 electric bill. This is the same problem. The testing of your faith produces patience. It's the testing of your faith. It's not the testing of you. Quit wallowing and quit saying, oh, when is this test going to be over? No, endure to the end. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. Have cheer. Be of good Cheer, be joyful, be excited, change the position of your spirit. Don't wait for the external to change, change the internal. Don't wait for everything around you to change, change what's inside of you. Get in a position of joy, don't wait for the emotion of joy. And watch what will happen. The testing of our faith produces patience. And all I know is I want to get through this test and trial because the next one's even greater. And I'm going to come through that one and the next one's going to be even greater. And I'm going to come through that one and the next one is going to be greater. Amen. How many of you want to pass the test? We want to pass the test. Amen. I know I want to pass the test. I want to pass the test with flying colors. I want to pass the test and I want to say, where's the next one? Start thanking him in the middle of the trial. God, I thank you that you're proving the faith that I have. God, I thank you that you're proving. You're giving me an opportunity to prove your faithfulness. I mean, we just had testimonies this past weekend and you heard people that endured trials, endured temptations, endured tests. And there's a bigger one that's coming. And every single time God is saying, I'm faithful. I've given you everything. You have all the resource. You are victorious. I love that he calls us victorious before we even get into them. He's already called you that. You're more than conquerors to him who loves you. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. 
We have been seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. All principality, all power, all might, all dominion is under your feet. Endure. Persevere. Allow your faith to be developed. Allow your faith to be strengthened. James goes on there in verse 5 and verse 6. He says, you've got to believe in, in your heart through faith without doubting. He says, if you doubt, if you speak faith with your mouth and doubt in your heart, you're a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. Every time you doubt, you just, whoa. Is this, is this, is this real? Is this true? Are you really going to come? Th- whoa. You get unstable. We want to remain stable. We want to have stability through the test. Remain strengthened. And look, you're going to have to encourage yourself. I can't go home with you tonight. We always get encouraged here in church, you know. Because right now you're feeling, man, I can do it. I got this. I'm going to overcome. This money's coming. That car's coming. This sickness is going away. This, rela- this relationship is being restored. Man, I got this. And the second you walk through that door, is that really true? Well, unstable. Believe in your heart without doubting. Enduring to the end. And a crown of life awaits. Amen. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for the tests and trials that come, not because we just love to be tested, but because of the results that can take place in our life. Father, there is an outcome. There's a result that should take place if we respond properly. So, Father, open up our eyes. Help us see and understand your word. Help us Be strengthened in our faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. But how much will we grow it? How much will we develop it? How much will we allow those tests that even though it may hurt, even though it may be painful, even though it may bring pressure, we know that on the other side we're going to come out stronger. Father, I thank you that we will stand in faith. We will endure to the end. We'll persevere. And we will see the results, kingdom results in our lives. And we'll have a testimony that God was faithful. You will get all the glory. You will get all the praise. And we'll know the next time we go through the trial that we will remain faithful in your faithfulness. We'll never forget. You said, forget not. Forget not all my benefits. Forget not. Remember, look back upon, meditate, think about. Father, there's faithfulness that you've already proven in our lives to this day. Father, we take time to look at those. You are faithful. You came through when it seemed like nothing else could happen. When it seemed like we were bound for failure, you showed up. So, Father, we ignite our faith tonight. We allow those the testing and the trials to strengthen us and equip us 
and we will come through and prove, bring the right results in Jesus' name. We thank you for this night in Jesus' name. Amen.